All right, everyone. Welcome to Nerd of the Rings. We have a very special guest with us today, Mr. Maxim Baldry. You know him as Isildur in the Rings of Power. Maxim, thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to be here talking with you, Matt. So, yeah. Absolutely. Well, I had the pleasure of talking with your on-screen father recently. Oh, um, God, that's, it's hard to live up to Lloyd Owen. He's such right? a such an eloquent man. Mention, yeah. yeah, not to mention Elendil himself. I mean, character-wise, it's very, you can relate Elendil to the character, the tall. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, we have a tough relationship on screen, but a very, uh, a very great relationship off screen. Well... So I want to settle something right off the bat because Lloyd, when he was on here, he said when you guys went out on the boats during filming, without fail, he said you were the first one to get seasick every time. Is that time. accurate? I took everything, took the pills. I had those uh, those kind of uh, wrist swatches that you could kind oh, of yeah. put on to, to for motion. They sickness. don't work. Yeah, yeah motion sick. <laughs> they they don't work. I tried to look at the horizon and that also didn't work. I mean, it even, I even got seasick when we were on the gimbal and the ship oh. was like on the ground, but moving and kind of emulating the, the kind of, um, uh, the sea the waves. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm just, I'm not a great sailor, man. So it, it kind not, of I'm not plays into your sea. character a little bit from what we've seen oh, so far. Everything plays into the seal door. <laughs> you know, I've really felt connected to the character. Um, as soon as I flew out to New Zealand and, and, and read the first script and um, I, I told JD and Patrick uh, when I met them in New Zealand, I said, you know what? He is me. I am him. We are one. And I, I really wanted to put like a lot of my own experiences into the character, you know, and Seal Dude is a, is a misfit to say the least on the island. And, and I, I felt like that kind of growing up at times and, um, and I just wanted to fuse those, those, that, that feeling and that sentiment in, in, into the character and make it very relatable. Now, um, speaking of Isildur, how would you describe him as we find him at this point in his life? You mentioned he's a bit of a misfit. Um, how, what else would you, you know, to give, give people an idea, aside from what we've seen in the show, obviously, um, but how would you describe Isildur? Um, on the exterior... Um, he's doing what society sort of expects of him. He is, um, you know, following the traditional path that a young Numenorian um, goes down, which is that they, they, they're a sea cadet um, in the hopes of, of, of becoming a sea captain. Elendil is a sea captain. Um, and on top of that as well, I'm trying to keep my family together. My, my, my brother has run off. Anarion has run off, and Aarian and Elendil, uh, our family unit, is somewhat breaking. Yeah. And Isildur is, is trying to do all these things. He, he has a very strong sense of, of duty um, and honor, but on the interior, inside, he is hurting. He's desperately grieving his mother, and that, that confuses him, I think. And in a way, um, he's, he's kind of wanting to escape the sort of life that is laid out for him. And um, he wants to process. And I think when you're that age, you don't really know quite 
um, quite what to do and who has the answers. And I think he's looking for them. Um, and you see it in episode three when he's sort of looking out into the horizon, not quite saying what, what everyone else, the sea is always right. He kind of mutters it because yeah. he's questioning it. And I think um, that in turn makes him a misfit. It makes him an anomaly on the island. Um, and, you know, difficult at times to be around. And he makes mistakes. Um, yeah. But I think it's all because he's hurting inside. Um, because he has a, he, he's, a, he's a very sensitive and emotional um, young man. Yeah. Now, you mentioned your brother, Anarion, which um, a, lot of, a lot of us book fans were excited when that name was dropped um, in episode three. Uh, what do you think he's up to over on the West Coast? That is a very good question. Um, I think a sealed order would be desperate to go there and, and find out what he's doing. They keep correspondence, I think, throughout um, the first season. And I think the reason why he wants to leave is because he's obviously had correspondence with Anarion, um, the sea cadet, and, and jeopardized that sort of future for him. But he, um, I think Anarion is kind of maybe realized what's going on in Numenor. He's seen the schism mm -hmm. and he's acted on instinct, maybe selfishly. Um, maybe he's also grieving and that the way that he's processed it is just to run away and escape. Um, and I think Asildor has taken a, a slightly more mature approach to it, which is to stay, to try and keep the family together. But in the beginning of the season, you just see him slightly, you see the cracks forming and him, him moving away from, from, from that kind of idea that he had in the first place. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's fascinating how, how there's this sort of uh, presence of Anarion felt within our family still, right. that the echo of that, uh, of that loss is just felt amongst us. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, I, I think, and hopefully soon you will see him. Yeah, well, we, we certainly noticed, you know, it, it definitely struck a nerve when his name was brought up in that conversation between the three of you, like with Elendil, uh, when, when Anarion was brought up, it, it definitely seemed like it struck a nerve. Well, I think, I think Anarion has done exactly what Elendil didn't want him to do, mm -hmm. which is go to the West. Yeah. Um, he is, is, is passionate about adopting this new lifestyle, which is societal. It's expectant. Um, it's, it's what we are meant to do. This is what we have, this is what we have to do to survive. Um, and, and I think, yeah, that, that's why he's slightly angry yeah. at Anarion for, for escaping the way that yeah. he had. Now, um, when, when we were talking with, uh, Lloyd a couple weeks ago, we talked a lot about, uh, you know, he had, he had really tried to dive deep because there's so little written about Elendil. We get a little bit more about Isildur, I think, than we do Elendil. We know a little bit more of his actions and stuff. Um, so what were some things that you found out about a door in the books that you're looking to pull into the character in the TV series? Um, when I first got the role, what I knew about him was that he chops the ring off Sauron's finger and doesn't throw it into the fires of Mount Doom. Right. That already just struck a chord to me that he's this sort of fate fatal character who is evil, ruins everything for everyone. Everyone has this sort of bitterness to him. It's like, oh my God, why did you throw it in the fire? Why didn't <laughs> yeah. you throw it in the fire? Um, 
but once I actually started digging deep into the Silmarillion, the Acalibus particularly, like I, I found out like he's quite heroic. Yeah. Um, very patriotic. And like, he has a deep love of Numenor and it's very profound. And it comes across in, 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 in a way that, that, that um, almost, you know, makes it, makes it even more tragic that he, he, he ends up keeping the, uh, keeping the yeah. one ring. And so I think that, that the kind of duality of those things makes him very complex. Um, mm -hmm. So, so for me, what, what I, what I really loved is the, is the fact that he um, has this sort of love for nature. You know, he, mm -hmm. he saves the, the sapling tree from, yeah. from, from the tree of Nimloth, which is an incredible, incredibly heroic kind of deed to do considering, you know, he's lying on a deathbed yeah. because of that. Right. Um, you know, he sails um, back to to Middle Earth with that with that tree on his ship, um, and I think and I just think that that sort of detail makes me feel like, oh my God, Isildur is a deeply sensitive character who who's very patriotic, has a love of nature, and he's not afraid of doing a heroic thing to yeah. save his people, and that didn't come across in in, in the portrayal in the Fellowship of the Ring, right? Um, but it's certainly going to come across in our adaptation of uh, the second age yeah. and that excites me because he is a fully rounded character yeah um with a very tragic ending which i'm very excited to play yeah and i'm looking forward to the challenge of, of having to having to do that yeah that's that's honestly one of the things you know when they announced uh that the show is going to be on the second age um one of my first thoughts was Oh, we'll get. We should get to see a heroic version of a Sealdor because, in Fellowship, and I don't, you know, I think it, it would have become more cumbersome for them to fully flesh out a a character who's in it for s such a brief time. But, but uh, it gives people who haven't read the books kind of a false impression of the character, and it almost makes him um, not quite villainous. But a lot of people look at him almost like a villain, um, where in reality, like you said, he saves you know, the white tree of uh, the sapling of the white tree of Nimloth. He does it again when Mina Sithil is captured. Like he, d he does it twice, actually. Um, I mean, let's not forget so, that he founded Gondor. Right. Mina yeah. Sithil. Yeah. He, 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 he ruled Gondor with Anarion from Asgiliath. Yeah. And they are at the peak of their civilizations. You see this sort of Numenorean architecture in Middle-earth. Mm -hmm. And you, you see a sort of um, decaying version in the Fellowship yes. And in the trilogy, whereas uh, I think in, in our adaptation, you'll be able to see the sort of vibrant nature of, 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 of the sealed door as well coming through in the architecture, this sort of love for Numenor. Um, and what's exciting as well is in the first season, you see sort of Isildur somewhat distant from Numenor, um, not quite connected to, to, to the city in a way that you'll find him later on down the road, falling back in love with it. And sort of um uh, i think i think his relationship to numenor will influence him a lot down the line yeah and you'll see his yeah. his sort of relationship to home that you you quite don't quite get at the minute because he he's young and he he doesn't quite understand what home is to him or yeah. how it how it kind of fits into his dna whereas down the line i think he'll reflect on his experiences in middle earth in a very different way yeah well and you you touched on something interesting that I've, I have heard previously described as, uh, you know, the Lord of the Rings is kind of like a 
post-apocalyptic tale in the sense that, you know, we don't have Numenor, the elves are, are fading and uh, Gondor, Ar Arnor doesn't exist anymore. And Gondor is, you know, kind of fallen to pieces. So um, it's exciting, I'm sure, to, to uh, for, for fans and for you to, to get to show, you know, first Numenor and then obviously Gondor when it's at the height of its power. Yeah, and you're going to see, you know, the, the greatest race of man at the peak of their civilization. Yeah. Um, and you know what, like walking onto set as, a, as an ordinary actor, playing this character, I'm like filled with, with complete joy and uh, I'm starstruck with um, the attention to detail from the showrunners and the every single production department um, is is just phenomenally attentive to detail um, and it's uh, amazing and, and frankly just inspiring just to even be standing on set so I hope that it translates in the same way uh, and I think it definitely does when I'm watching the episodes back I'm, I'm, I'm still like wow like this is a, a very special show um, and it's a very special time as well to be exploring um, because we've never seen it Right. I think it's very, it's, 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 this is this whole, this Numenor is, is a new world that we, we haven't yet explored. And we've saw sort of the decay of Numenor, as you said, mm -hmm. but not quite, um, not quite the peak. Yeah. It's always, you know, in Lord of the Rings, especially in the books, it's always talked about like, uh, you know, this, in this tragic sense, you know, what, what has been lost. So to see it, you know, before it's been lost, <laughs> you know, is a nice, you, you kind of get a, a sense of, of why you know aragorn thousands of years later speaks of of these glory days of the the race of men yeah i think that also echoes the character of isildur even yeah. in the architecture in in the trilogy you know you it, he loses so much throughout his life you know mm -hmm. and you're just seeing the starts of that you're seeing someone lose their mother um you're seeing someone lose their job um slowly things are going to get taken away from Isildur. And I think that influences him and mm -hmm. makes him, it makes him kind of, um, I think the way in which he's going to perceive the world, the way in which he's going to want to enact change is going to be slightly different mm. because he loses so much. Yeah. And that can take on a slightly darker interpretation as well. Um, and I'm toying with how dark he, he is because yeah. I, I feel like he wants to do good. Yeah. I actually think this is a, more of a, if we're going to zoom out and talk about like the fallibility of man, because every single character, every single human has the ability to do good, but also the ability to be evil. And I think Isildur falls into that category of someone who is trying to do good, but maybe the ways in which he does that can be perceived otherwise. Mm. Um, and it's this balancing act. Um, I think that I, I want to, make make right in that I want you to feel as though it's like painful sometimes to watch tragic mm. to watch yeah um because it isn't just black and white for him and yeah. it's not like he suddenly loses he suddenly gets the one ring and, and it's like oh I'm I'm evil now I'm, I'm gonna right. I think yeah. it's, it's 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 a little bit more nuanced than that I think yes maybe certain things throughout um the events kind of leading up to that it's almost I think inevitable yeah that that might be his reaction 
Yeah. But I think and that's I think the it, way. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, that's who he is. It's not, it's not just like, ah, oh, he's this villainous character. Right. I don't yeah. think that. I think he's no. a deeply patriotic, um, proud, sad man yeah. who uses it as a wear guild. You know, that's what he mm -hmm. actually says himself. You know, yeah. it's a, it's a great word. Reparations, you know, <laughs> yeah. for, 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 for the loss that he's had. And he's, he's got so much, he loses, he loses uh, his children apart from Ellen. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, that is so sad to not, to, 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 to be outlived by, uh, to, to outlive your children. Right. Um, it's so, really yeah, a I mean, heartbreaking story. Like, like I can, yeah, you and, know, and, and yeah. what's exciting, what's, what's really exciting to play is that we know where he's ending, Yeah. but it's, it's the, the, the journey of getting there, which I find sometimes more uh, interesting than the destination. It's, right. it's, um, it's the how, how. Yeah. Um, and JD and Patrick have the difficult task of, of, uh, of writing that. Yeah. That. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just so exciting. Whenever we get a new script, it's like Christmas day. I'm like, <laughs> what happens to a seal door? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he does what? Oh my God. <laughs> well, I can already tell by his, you know, what we've seen so far of him, the, I, I like how, like it, it totally makes sense to me, you know, because in the books we know that, that he kind of takes it upon himself to get the fruit from the tree of Nimloth. Like he hears from his grandfather that, you know, that, that they're going to cut the tree down and he just kind of goes and does it himself, which I think, you know, your portrayal and how, how we've met this character so far, that makes total sense to me that he would just take it upon himself. Like this needs to get done. I'm not even going to think about it. I'm just going to go do it. He's very headstrong in that yeah. way. I think when he, when he has something in his head, he does it. Um, but it, it's, it's a fine line again about, I don't think he's a selfish, I don't think he's selfish right. in any way. Um, I mean, if anything, I mean, the fact when he does cut the tree down, it's a selfless act. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, um, dangerous and well, like you said, he it almost, almost dies. Him. He almost dies. Yeah, yeah. He almost dies. Um, but I, I think there's, I think a sealed has the sensitivity to nature, you know, that, and it, it comes across even, even in hit with his love for Beric. Yes. You know, he, <laughs> he, he almost is a, is a character that, that doesn't have many friends. And if his friends are Valandil and Ontimo, he really screws it up yeah. a lot of the time with them. But with Beric, they have this unspoken affection for one another. And, and almost in a way that, that, that it's, um, it's something that he can't even express. And Beric mm -hmm. can't even express what it is that he's feeling. But they just... They just share a moment. They they mm -hmm. ride together. They go. They, they spend time together. And I think that is this really beautiful um, side to a seal door that that hasn't really been explored in, in the movies. And, and something that I found out through through reading um, through reading through through reading about him in the in the books, and also just through spending um, you know six months of my t my time in New Zealand just riding a horse. And I was like, wait, hang on a sec. There is this bond between them. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I'm very excited for you to see uh, episode six. Um, oh, good. I think there is some uh, there's some really great moments. Yeah. Well, so so why is it you think that a Sealdor volunteers to go to Middle Earth when when he's so eager to join Anarion in the West? Why is it that he instead decides, no, I want I want to volunteer, go on this expedition to Middle Earth, besides accompanying his horse? Obviously, if he has the choice between. <laughs> going to war with his horse or staying at home with his sister, he's going to go to war with his horse, clearly. 
the only reason he's going to Middle Earth is because he wants some, some time with Beric. He wants no one else to be <laughs> in, in charge of Beric. It's only a Sealdor. Uh, that is a heartbreaking moment. You know, when, when, when a Sealdor's like looking at Ontimo and he's like, Beric's going? Um, <laughs> his world just collapses. Um, but I think there's something, I mean, the, the fact that Galadriel is on the island and he sees her fighting Ontimo and Valandi, um, this is a character who he, or a person rather, that he um, grew up reading about. There's something really romantic about an elf yeah. on the island in Numenor. It's never happened before. I mean, it's almost like a once in a lifetime opportunity for him. Yeah. And then I think when there is a moment to do something for Numenor and his friends are going, he, he has to be on that ship. Yeah. And it's also a sense of adventure and a sense of escape um, that I think Sealdor wouldn't have batted an eyelid. I don't think West was even an option at that point. Mm. I think it was, but I think it's more, it's more of an emptiness in him that he felt that I think could have been filled by this opportunity to go to Middle Earth and do something for his country. Mm do something for his people, something patriotic. And it's the start of that. You just see yeah. the seedlings of that. You're not quite seeing a fully fledged warrior or seal door. You're, seeing, you're right. still seeing a very young man who's learning and um, he tries his best, doesn't he, to get on that ship. He does everything <laughs> he can. You also see his sort of headstrong attitude of like, right, I'm gonna go to my father. That's, that's an avenue that doesn't work, right? Who am I yeah. gonna go to next? Valandil has been made a lieutenant. I'm gonna go right there, I'm gonna ask him. Right, he also says no. How else am I gonna do it? So he stows away. And then right. he finds himself in this incredible position where he saves Kemin mm -hmm. from a burning ship, um, who does a pretty dangerous act. I mean, he sh burns down a ship in Numenor. I mean, it's treason. Yeah. Um, uh, but he sees this as, as, a, as, a, as a way of doing something worthy of Numenor, which is what his father in, in the very first scene in episode five asked him to do. And so he uses that to get on a ship. And I think that is, that's someone who's ambitious and driven to get what they want and will stop mm. at no, at nothing to, to get what they want. Right. Um, is it slightly selfish? Is it manipulative? Perhaps, but I, he does save a life at the end of the day. He does, yeah. And that is, that is something that is, something that, that he does and, and like maybe surprises him as well. Um, but maybe it's a, it's a classic case of a sealed or being in a bad position and using and, and finding it to be advantageous. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I think that's also quite funny. You know, yeah. I also found that a sealed is quite a funny character. He's vulnerable, but, but he kind of is cheeky. There's a spark yeah. to him that, that, um, that I'm really enjoying seeing in him. And I, I kind of found that out through playing with him and, through him being around his friends. I mean, that, that the exchange of, um, the, the mistake that he punched Valandil because he said something uh, about mm. his, his mother yeah. was then turned into a bargaining mechanism yeah. for him to come onto the ship. And I just, I, I found that lighthearted, like the lightheartedness um, to the character quite refreshing mm. in Middle Earth. And yeah. I think that's almost what's quite needed to, to, for the relief in, in some of the characters. To, to make it like a little bit more um, vibrant and, and light. Mm, yeah. Now, uh, one more question before we do uh, some rapid fire for you. Um, 
so I was curious if you could kind of explain to us what is the Sea Guard? And I know we we have obviously volunteers heading to Middle Earth right now. So does Numenor have a military at this point? Yes, they do. They um, we're a seafaring nation, and I think our uh, the, the, what I'm a sea cadet for is the military section of that, like sort of um, okay. navy. And we're all Valandil. I grew up wanting a space on that ship and yeah. it was ingrained in him very early that that is his path um and i think i i sealed is just basically following his father into that mm. um but they, they they are they're very strong they're very capable they're exploring uh they've colonized uh parts of middle earth um and yeah who knows at, at whose expense Farazon's uh, Farazon is very keen on on yeah. on kind of the colonization of Middle Earth, um, and, and bringing materials to the island. Um, um, but I don't think we, it's necessarily um, a military that's used for uh, war. And I think mm. when you when when you see us going for battle at the end of five, I think that's a very special and different experience for I think every Numenorean. It's not mm. very common okay. that yeah. we that we see kind of battle. And gotcha. I think you're gonna see um a lot of experiences happen to characters that are unusual and maybe you know potentially scarring. Mm. Okay. Well I won't push we, any we've further. We've, well we oh, go ahead. as a nation we've never we've never really seen death. Mm. It's um it's been a pretty rosy existence. Um every I mean we're living at, at the, the literal peak and height of Numenor yeah. uh, culture. Um, um, and I, th I think, yeah, battle has not been on our minds, but we're still trained in the same way to, to be a sort of military nation. Gotcha. Um, okay. Yeah. Very cool. Well, I've got, I know we're running short on time here, so I've got some rapid fire questions for you that I like to ask everybody that comes on the channel. So, um, especially for the Rings of Power folks, which character aside from Isildur is your favorite in season one? Ah, I'd say Prince Durin. I think his Good sort one. of, yeah. Do, do I need to explain why? I don't think so. A... I think it's okay, kind of Prince the assumption I'll just now. Say Prince, Prince Durin. Yeah. That was a good one. I mean, he stole a table from the elves, like in the best way possible. That was hilarious. Hilarious. Yeah. Um, Wh who is your favorite Tolkien character? Ah, uh, Boromir. Nice. I like that choice. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big one. And it's very, like, it kind of has some similar elements to uh, Isildur, in a way, like how his story I, plays out. That's why I think, you know that moment when he picks up the ring and he has it? There's just such danger in that scene. It's like, mm -hmm. oh, you, you really don't want him touching the ring. There's something, right. like, quite unnerving about it and i yeah. think i think that was just very very that feeling that just stuck with me and stayed with me for so long but then he still is the unsung hero right of, yeah. of the fellowship you know and again another person that you know those less versed in in the books especially you know so i know some folks who see fellowship of the ring and they think boromir is a bad guy um when it's not the case mm. at all you know as you i think even in the films you eventually come around to the fact that he is quite the hero, but uh, mm. very similar to a seal door in that manner. Um, so what is your favorite Tolkien book? 
I think it would be the Silmarillion, especially the Calibus. I think nice. I found that That's, to be yeah. It just I think especially kind of looking at it from from a personal kind of perspective and delving into this, reading about that whole world for the first time um, and the downfall of man. You know, it's I, I was very excited to be involved in the show after reading that. Very cool. Um, all right, two more. So where in Middle Earth would you most like to live? Numenor, without a doubt. It's literally the best. We've got crab for dinner. We have great, <laughs> we've got great ale at the cantina. Uh, we've got a harbor, good swimming. Mm. It's the best. Good fish, probably. Oof. Probably, yeah, I would imagine. Yeah, and the um, architecture, stunning. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. You can definitely see the inspiration for the later Gondorian cities. I love how they've definitely. incorporated that. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, so where in Middle Earth would you most like to visit but not live? Uh, Khazad-dûm. That's a good one too. Looks looks a bit cold for me. Mm, That's why I wouldn't yeah. want to live there. But I would love to see... Um, I'd love to stay for a bit of food, bit of bit of wine, yeah. a bit of chat. Um, see see how they how they how they're living down there yeah but probably I w i'd want to come back up there Get some salted pork and yeah all the good <laughs> dwarven stuff <laughs> well maxim thank you so much for joining me today we didn't even get into any gaming and stuff i know you you came to middle earth through video games so i'd love to uh, dive into that a bit with you earth. some other some other time but still um, one of the best games of all time so fun. There's some really good Lord of the Rings games out there. So we'll have to, we'll have to chat about that some other time. I know you got to get going, but thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much. Lovely to chat. All right, guys. Well, we'll see you on Thursday night as the episode drops for the watch party. And we'll see you next time on Nerd of the Rings. <laughs>